Another episode of the College Corner and another college basketball conference preview. I'm Tyler Danberg with you as always. And we're going to be breaking down the ACC. And this is a fascinating conference, as it always is. Always a conference that never disappoints. And we're going to see a lot of different movements throughout this 15-team league. And you know what? Let's start right off the bat. And let's just take a look at the Virginia Cavaliers. Because right now, I mean, Vegas can conclude with this. They're the best team in the ACC. Probably right now. And they got better when they locked down Sam Hauser, the Marquette transfer. What he did two years ago, had a stellar season as a forward. And they just play a quick, you know, a quick guard-guard, forward-forward center. And that's that's all they need to do. They've got a young bench. They've got a freshman in Carson McCorkle, who's a very strong player. A lot of expectations were relying on him. Jabri Abdul-Rahim, Reese Beekman. These are all freshmen. I mean, Caden Shedrick who is a redshirt freshman. These are four guys that are going to be able to show up and show out. And the starting lineup, these are experienced starters. I mean, Kihei Clark, Casey Marcel, Walda Tensei, and Jay Huff. And these guys are stellar. They can perform strong. They lose Diakite. They lose Braxton Key. And those are two guys that leave a big void. The problem is, is that Virginia, they had some interesting points last year, and they tied for second in the ACC, and they just weren't that good last year. And you would think that with Key and with Diakite, they would be as strong as they were when they won the title two years ago. Well, that proved not to be the case. I mean, they were 42nd overall at Kempom. They were 34th at Bart Torvik. And 40th at Haslametric. So all the analytical, the, the big three of the analytical college basketball ranking sites did not like Virginia. Kihei Clark did not have the season that he was expected to, especially as a point guard. Just was not. He had a turnover rating that was among the top 15 in the NCAA. And, and Virginia has actually had a top 20 highest turnover rate percentage in the NCAA. Last year, it was, it was bad. It was bad. A 20.1 percentage, 257th national rank. So a once low turnover rating for the past one, two, three, four, five years, now last year was not the same. Do you think that might have been an indicator that they weren't going to reach the same amount of success as they had in the past couple of years? Well, that could have been the case. Virginia, they are going to have a tough schedule ahead of them. They play a potent schedule. And I think that Hauser is going to be heavily relied on. A guy who averaged 15 points just two years ago will need to step it up like he did at Marquette. Could you imagine if Marquette did not, as we talked about in the Big East preview before, if they had not lost so many transfers if last year they had gotten Carter earlier transfer from Ohio State, or if they had got, or if they had Howard last year, you put that all together, and what do you get? You get a Big East contender. But going back to Virginia, 
they are going to have an elite defense. And especially with Jay Huff there, Clark along the, you know, along the perimeter, he's a great outside defender. They have a high ceiling, but if the offense cannot improve, that's going to be an issue. Having Hauser there is a good start. I think Virginia, they're still, I mean, their their defense is what keeps them in ball games, and that's what's going to put them in probably the, the premier spot, at least in that top tier with them and Duke. Duke, again, I think that Duke might be in a good situation now that they lost Vernon Carey, now that they lost Trey Jones, now that they lost Cassius Stanley. I think they had, it was just a clash of three Titans. That's what I think it was. And losing Kerry Jones and Stanley leaves a remarkable void. But you know that Duke's going to always be able to recruit. But I think that them losing those three guys actually might help them to their advantage. Because Duke is well put together around balanced lineups. Well, you're going to see a balanced lineup. I think Wendell Moore is going to be the breakout guy this year. Guy only averaged 7.5 points per game last year, but I'll tell you, Wendell Moore has a lot of, of upside. He's going to have a strong, strong career. I mean, he, he had that remarkable game against North Carolina. I mean, how great was that? The uniforms weren't, but it's so crazy to think that that was so long ago, but he had... A double-double in that game, 17 points and 10 rebounds, and I think that's going to be an important type of ordeal with Duke. I think that Moore will be the guy that will resonate. Matthew Hurt, a guy who just averaged under 10 points per game last year, a guy who can clean up some rebounds as well, chew it out as just a freshman, and He's got the height to do so. They've got a lot of guys on the bench that are going to be able to perform. And I think that's what's going to separate Duke from the pack. They get just a ton of top 20, top 15 recruits. And they're able to do that so well. I think that's going to really push them forward. Help them out a lot. And Wendell Moore, definitely an ACC Player of the Year candidate. Duke, no problem staying within the top three. Now this is where it starts to get interesting. Louisville, under Chris Mack, former Xavier head coach, they get some big-time transfers. I mean, Carlick Jones, point guard out of Radford, who's averaging 25 and 5 and a half last year. Very strong redshirt senior. Then you go down the list, David Johnson, Samuel Williamson, Quinn Slazinski, a guy we did not see. He had, you know, a couple five-point games last year, but didn't break out of his shell as a freshman. Malik Williams, he's going to be a heavily reliant guy. He'll be important to watch. Just a guy I would not be surprised to see average double-double every year. Charles Minion out of San Francisco. Again, a guy who's able to pack that leadership and provide... Some guidance for the three, for the four freshmen, I should say, with Jalen Withers, the red shirt, then all the true freshmen, DeAndre Davis, JJ Trainer, and Gabe Wisnitzer. They're going to be big, and I think that Quinn Slazinski, he still has a lot of time to 
develop as a power forward. He still has a lot of time on his hands to do so. And we'll see that probably going towards the later part of the season. Louisville last year was probably headed towards a one seed or a two, definitely a two seed. I mean, they were 21-3 and three in early February. Then they went on just a very interesting four out of seven stretch. And they went three and four during that time. They needed the ACC tournament to get momentum. Obviously, they didn't get any of that. Now, Chris Mack, he's got a clean slate. There's no doubt that he's got it, and Louisville might have their best team during the Mack era. Had they not have collapsed last year so dramatically, we might be saying that differently. And they might be, because of last season, how they finished so many unknowns, they might have been able to really stick out of the pack, maybe even contend for the top spot heading into the 2020-2021 ACC season. So I like the Cardinals. I think this is going to be a smooth move for Carlick Jones. Louisville has had some success in the ACC with Big South transfers. You talk about Christian Keeling and now Carlick Jones. Keeling at UNC, now Jones who knows what's going to happen at Louisville. But the Big South and the ACC, they have some strong ties. And if Jones can get working, continue what he did last year because he put up impeccable numbers, that's going to be huge for the Cars to see if they can pull that out and put that together. North Carolina. Now, it's tough to say that, you know, it's tough to say that they have a bounce-back season. They're AP Top 25 team, without a doubt. And they're losing Cole Anthony. They lose Christian Kaling. We just mentioned him before. Brandon Robertson, Justin Pierce. Those are four guys that are going to be missed. But you know what? They keep Garrison Brooks, who is a who is a preseason All-American, without a doubt. I mean, Brooks is something special. The guy can truly do it all. Caleb Love, the only guy that has not been tested. Anthony Harris only played five games last year. Went out due to injury redshirted, now he's a freshman again, had seven points per game in that average, he had a 15-point affair, but again, this was just in five games. North Carolina, again, a young bench, Dayron Sharp leading a strong class, and again, you have to respect that Roy Williams went out, and he still recruited, and despite that awful season they had last year compared to previous seasons, well, they had a lost season, UNC did. And you know what? It's crazy that people forget that they had a disaster last year. So they were still able to recruit nonetheless. And I think that had certain outlying things not had happened, UNC might not have been able to recruit guys like Sharp, Walker Kessler, and Puff Johnson, and Kerwin Walton, who's a top 100 recruit. If they had not been able to do that and maintain five new freshmen, actually six new freshmen, with the addition of point guard Caleb Love, who's a highly touted prospect, this probably might not have been applicable, because last year was just kind of a disaster. But having Anthony Harris coming off that torn ACL, that could be huge. They're going to miss Cole Anthony. They're going to miss him. But Caleb Love will probably take over and 
He'll do the ball handling duties. He's an NBA-bound prospect. So you add that together. You put it all in the mix. And UNC back into that up-tempo type offense. They slowed it down a lot with Anthony last year. They had the 87th highest offensive pace. Excuse me, the 87th lowest offensive pace. Compared to 2018 and 19, 5th, 17 and 18, 14th, and the list goes so on and so on. And they stay in the past four years in the top 30. So North Carolina, they're due. They have a strong roster. Garrison Brooks, look out for him to be just an over-the-top talent like he did last year. Just Really was incredible. He truly the stuff of legends last year. This year, he's bound to even do bigger things. He's one of the most efficient players, according to Ken Palm, in all of the country. So if Brooks can have a strong season, this could be the Tar Heels year to stay within the top three and bounce back. Because they that that's what they need. They need to get back on their winning ways. Florida State. Florida State, again, another great basketball program, and just another what-if. And they did have some losses last year with Leonard Hamilton, but they did win the ACC. They clinched a share, 2020. And who knows what would have happened if the pandemic didn't sweep the entire college basketball world. I could not imagine what would be the case if that had not happened, because the sky was the limit for Hamilton's crew, and they're continuing a good, strong regiment of success. Raekwon Evans is going to run the point. Devin Vassell, Pat Williams, Trent Forrest. They're spearheading a strong, strong key core of guys who graduated. And... Florida State, they're coming right out of the gate. And they are going as the 21st ranked team in the AP Top 25 poll. They're coming out strong. Their first three games, they go out and they will face Indiana, Georgia Tech, Duke. Then they have a game against Pittsburgh. Then they go in the meat grinder against UNC and Louisville. And Louisville is going to be a tough team. Florida State has the ability, if they can... Get comfortable early and just continue to play their game consistently. Get a couple wins. Stay at least only lose one of their first six, seven games. They could be in prime positioning to really contend for a two or three spot in the tournament. And maybe even set the tone for a big ACC tournament run. So... Florida State, they've got the team. MJ Walker, guy to look out for. Scotty Barnes, an interesting face in the middle of that lineup. A 6'9 freshman, just an out-of-the-ordinary talent that committed to Florida State. Big on a guy like Scotty Barnes. He's able to isolate. He's able to get inside. He's just... A freak of nature. Five-star recruit consensus. One of the best power forwards out of Mont Verde Academy. And he stays in state. Goes with the Seminoles. And Leonard Hamilton saw something in him. 
not a lot of people saw. So if he can heat up, that's going to be critical. We will see if Raekwon Evans can get things going. When Evans is on the court last year, Florida State had the highest of their efficiency. Take out Forrest, and they have a higher total possession time, a total efficiency, and a total points per game type of rate. So Florida State, they, they're not going anywhere. They're a young team. You build off of Barnes, and they are going to stay a staple in the ACC for a couple of more years. And that's just something to take a look at. Miami, Florida. And this is a team under Laranega. You'd never want to go against a team like Laranega. They can they can score. This is a team that can score and shoot the ball really well. Chris likes the point guard. Very underrated talent in the ACC. He's just a small guy. Such a little dude. He's so shifty, so speedy. Seeing him work up the court is like art. It's like poet. It's pure poetry seeing him. And this is a guy who's, even though he's well undersized, this is a guy who is not afraid to get to the hole and, and score. And Miami, they only have two freshmen, two newcomers to the program. They only have one key loss in Dayan Vasilovic. And now that they've got Nizier Brooks, that seven-footer transferring from Cincy. This team is legit. Miami of Florida is legit. And I think that the Hurricanes might have one of their best seasons in a very long time. And I, th I think a lot of that comes from likes. I think a lot of that comes in the middle of that all with that Combo guard Cameron McGusty, a guy who just averaged 12 and a half points per game last year. A guy who can shoot just around 60% from the field. These are guys you want on your team. These are guys that Larinaga wants on his team. Isaiah Wong, another interesting player. The way he is able to work around a defense on offense is tremendous. His only downside is that he's a very streaky guy. In the middle of what was last year, a 41-game stretch, 31-game stretch, in the middle of that, he was leading the team in almost every single category, putting together career highs in a nine-game of that 31-game span, he had some injury problems, but was also very, very streaky. And that's something that Larinaga probably needs to pinpoint. If Wong can stay a consistent shooting guard, that's going to need to be a key factor. Also, they need to stay healthy. If key players continue to miss playing games, the Kings are going to struggle. And they have so much talent. They have six top 100 recruits. And Larinaga, obviously, his track record speaks for himself. They've got the rise, Miami does, to creep into the tournament picture. Virginia Tech, a team that has started to gain some more ground in recent history. They had low expectations last year for Mike Young's rookie year as the head coach in Blacksburg. And he had some success. He was 7-13 in the conference last year in 2020. But they came strong. They came out strong. They had a 
They had a ranked. Ranking in the top 15, they knocked down Michigan State, who was ranked the first team in the nation at the time. And that's something that you just cannot ask for in a rookie year, yet Mike Young did it. And now they lose three transfers. They lose Landers Nolly, and he leaves a big, big void. And P.J. Horn and Isaiah Wilkins, they all transfer out. So what does Mike Young do? He brings in Kiva Luma from Wofford, Justin Mutz from Delaware, Cordell Penzel from Iowa. That was a big get. Stealing him away from Iowa. And then he gets three substantial recruits. And now he's got five returning starters. He's got the first four guys coming off the bench. And then you also add Ojako, who has some time, the sophomore John Ojako. And then you put together this team, and this is a well-put-together program. Losing, losing Landers Nolly is going to definitely have a downside. But they do have an exceptional sixth man in Jalen Cohn. Cohn is 45.7% from the field from outside the three-point line. His efficiency was so high in the ACC that he was shattering records at some point. Just talk about a catch-and-shoot guy. Jalen Cohn will be that person utilized by Young when they're trailing by a two-score type of deficit. Or if they're down by maybe 8 or 10 in a game that they should not be losing. And Cone's going to be the guy. And he's just such a strong shooter. So if they were able to do that last year as well, have a good recruiting year, bring in a lot of transfers as well, Mike Young might be able to have his Hokies contend in Blacksburg without a doubt. They're more ready for ACC competition. They're more ready with this freshman class. They have a lot of expectations. If you put that all together, if they can fulfill that hype and keep living up to that standard, Virginia Tech is going to have an NCAA tournament, an ACC tournament shot. A lot of optimism in Blacksburg surrounding the Hokie basketball program, and rightfully so. Transitioning to Clemson. And Clemson is always an interesting team to look at. They're a team that analytics do not favor, but the AP Top 25 poll does in certain situations. They're gaining a lot of guys. They get the transfer Nick Honor from Fordham, and he's most likely going to be running the point. He's more of a scorer than a facilitator. And that might be what Brad Brownell needs because Alamir Dawes, another good scorer. John Newman, a great scorer, the junior forward. And they bring in a freshman like P.J. Hall, a lot riding on him. And that's going to come down whether are they going to bring in Jonathan Barre? Are they going to bring in Clyde Trapp to start? A lot is surrounding that power forward position if P.J. Hall can continue to start. Listen, he's a top 100 recruit. And Clemson, they are able to continue to play. They're able to continue playing in great great capacities, so we'll see if Clemson can be able to do it, but I think everything starts with Amir Sims. Down low, everything is going to work through him. 13 points per game last year. This is a guy, a career high, over 20 plus rebounds last year, he said. And 
if you put and factor in the impact of Sims, he's going to be a versatile pawn in this piece for Brownell. His skill with the ball in his hands has just been impeccable. Post, if you want him to roll out, even shoot from the outside. We saw him a couple times. He had a 20-plus point game against Georgia Tech when he shot th from three. He shot it five times and made three. So he's going to be a guy that's interesting to watch because Amir Sims just so adaptive. He's a guy that can spread the ball so well and everything's going to have to run through feeding Sims to continue to gain some more ground this year. NC State. Another interesting team, and I know what you're saying, we haven't mentioned Syracuse yet. We'll, we'll mention SU later, but NC State, another fascinating program under Kevin Keats. The only new guy in that starting lineup is going to be Cam Hayes, the freshman. If they can make that work, we could be seeing some positivity happening with the NC State Wolfpack. But they returned Funderburk, they returned Devin Daniels, they returned Jericho Helms, they returned Braxton Beverly, and they returned Manny Bates. They also get Tommy Allen from Nebraska. They get Darion Sebron an extra year because he redshirted. And Allen had a good year with the Cornhuskers last year, got his immediate waiver to transfer. Now, DJ Funderburk is a guy interesting to watch down low, another elusive forward. NC State will like to rotate a, a type of small ball lineup. And it's going to be interesting to watch Manny Bates and DJ Funderburk work together because it's going to be an interesting rotation. They have a new they have a net rating of 0 .08 efficiency, which is among the highest in the ACC. So if those big men can get something working well, I think that could be a prominent role for the NC State Wolfpack. Syracuse coming in, they had a shaky season last year, and it was just too interesting to tell. They still have a lot of good pieces coming back together. Their main guy is the coach's son, Jimmy Bayham's son, Buddy. And Buddy last year, a guy who just had some breakout games and stayed steady as a rock the entire season. The leading scorer for the Orangemen, the only guy they lose is Eli Hughes, who enters the draft. And then Alan Griffin, a transfer coming in from Illinois. So he's probably going to be able to find himself in the starting lineup. It's just going to be a matter of how the Syracuse team can gel. Because we know that they have the talent. We know that they have the ability. But how they perform is going to be the key. And they were better than... The schedule indicated last year. I mean, they, they were within the top 55. They were in a, a certain percentile. And Kempom, Haslametrics had them pretty high, 44th. And they returned five of six rotation players. And the only new guy, really, to that roster is the sixth man, Kadari Richmond, the freshman. A lot of expectations coming up to him. The Ors, they do have a very good shooting team they can score and they can fill it up and they can take it away from outside so Syracuse's ability to get in the post is going to be an issue they're not good in transition they're not good off the screen they're not good when they hand it off or when they run anything 
related to a pick and roll. Not good when they post it up. They are good when they shoot it, when they get it off of a nice rebound, getting second chance points, and that's going to be the key this year for the Orangemen because if they cannot do that, that might be a little bit of an issue. Their defense is there, but probably not there offensively if they cannot convert on second chance points and just shooting it from the perimeter. Georgia Tech, also a team that I have a lot of fascination with. Again, first eight guys in the rotation, they are returners, except two are transfers, then the the, the other six, they're returning Yellow Jackets. Kyle Sturdivant with USC, guy who saw some minimal playing time with the Trojans, and then Rodney Howard of Georgia. Both are sophomores, so both are still going to have a lot of opportunities to grow, and you're thinking this entire bench, they're returning guys besides Bubba Parham, that sixth man, and Parham's going to play an interesting role, but it's been 10 years since Georgia Tech has made the NCAA tournament, and I think Derek Favors and Amon Shumpert, I mean, those days are, and Chris Bosh, those days are far past. They finished 11-9 in the ACC. They lost a lot of guys in terms of injury. And Georgia Tech has a lot of optimism. They have only finished above 500 in ACC play twice in 24 years. So, last year was a nice omen for things to come. Georgia Tech, a lot is looking up for this team. Jose Alvarado, Michael Belbiv DeVoe. Again, he's not called that. Just Michael DeVell, but we'll call him Bell Biv as well. He's, you know, ca- he's causing poison for defenses. This is a strong backcourt. Very strong backcourt. You round out that lineup with Moses Wright, and you're going to see good things come your way. Wright needs to continue to be a threat. The big man on both sides of the ball, and if he can do that, that's probably going to be very good. Comparing to offense to defensive splits, Georgia Tech defensively efficiency they're within the best in the country and Georgia Tech it's it's been a given that they have a strong defensive program they can also not find shooters and Michael DeVoe is pretty much the only guy who can really consistently shoot him and Alvarado are going to be the guys you hand it off to him you pass it to him they're going to try and find some separation to shoot and if they can convert and continue that going because outside of those guys, DeVoe shot 42.7% from three last year. Alvarado, 33.6%. The next best guy is the sixth man, Parnum, shooting under 25%. Then you go to Moore and Usher and Asante Price, three guys that aren't there. They're shooting a measly 11 to 24% from three. So if you just give DeVoe, feed DeVoe and Alvarado, and then work it in with Wright or anybody in between you might find the recipe for success. And that is what we're going to have to see. I think that Kyle Sturdivant was going to be a guy who was not going to be used at USC. So he might see that same type of value with Georgia Tech because he doesn't add a lot of boost in either of those problem areas. And he wasn't strong efficiently in terms of efficiency ratings. Tristan Maxwell, an uphill battle with playing time, but he does 
have that ability to hit shots. So all in all, Georgia Tech, if they can get performances from their transfers to step up, I think they could have a strong season. Optimism in Atlanta running very high. Then Notre Dame fighting Irish under Mike Bray. Again, a team just kind of vanilla. It re they really are just kind of original. I mean, they, they had 20 wins last year, had a 500 winning percentage in the ACC. It just wasn't enough to cut it, and it, it totally makes sense. It was a down year for the ACC altogether, and really, that's all you can ask for. That It wasn't enough. They were kind of a mid-major-like team of the ACC. They're kind of the outsider already and they were the outsider internally and they just were not able to go up against quality opponents and that's going to be an issue they lose John Mooney they lose TJ Gibbs and they just don't get enough in terms of newcomers they get Cormac Ryan a Stanford transfer like him a lot I think he's going to play a good role in this year and the years to come as a redshirt sophomore Prentice Hub a guy that I do like, he's just a, a true formulaic guard. He can score, he can drive, he can pass, and find guys and assist. I mean, he's averaging, he's averaged in two seasons five assists per game overall. And you take out TJ Gibbs and it's totally Prentice Hub. So Hub's going to be the guy, Juwan Durham, him and... Prentice Hub, they're going to be working together. Cormac Ryan, we talked about him. They're going to be key for Mike Bray's team. Moving to Pittsburgh, Jeff Capel. Well, you're going to hear those one of us chants. Coach K probably won't like it, but you're going to hear about it because you know what? Jeff Capel, very similar style. And Jeff Capel, I mean, he's had a, a good go around. Pitt has had some good seasons. This is a guy I like in this lineup. It's the center. Five-star Brush, Brush High School in Cleveland. I'm a Cleveland guy. So John Hughley. I've had the pleasure of watching John Hughley live many times. And I have to say that there are not too many guys in the nation who can play like John Hughley. This is a guy, and obviously there's no comparison to LeBron James. One of the best to ever do it. But... He has been compared at the high school level to what LeBron James was in high school at St. Vincent St. Mary's in Akron, Ohio. John Hughley is a star in the making. Jeff Capel has some strong guys to work with. The rest, Justin Champagny, we talked about St. John's, Justin Champagny's brother, Julian, and Champagny, he can have a Good season like he did last year, just as a freshman, averaged under 13 points, you know, had a monster year at the glass, and then you, you factor in Xavier Johnson, filter in Ethel Horton out of Delaware, a career year as, you know, a, a sophomore, and a decent Tony, a guy who is going to be a nice middle man, and then there's a lot to look forward to on the bench. They bring in... Nike Savande out of Miami of Ohio, who took the Mac by storm, at least in the Mac East, and then a lot of freshmen in the Madison Collier, 
Adekale and Jeffress. Pittsburgh could be a sleeper in the conference. And Xavier Johnson is going to need to step it up. He did not have that season that many had hoped for in his sophomore year. Just kind of measly numbers for a guy of his ability and capacity. And Pittsburgh last year, I mean, in the past five years, they had one of the worst efficient field goal percentages in the nation. And they're going to need to step it up. I think that they do have the group to really turn that around and redefine the system of Jeff Capel because Jeff Capel, again, this is another team we talked about, a team like Clemson and even a team like Georgia Tech analytics might not favor them, but they might have a couple of upsets along the way. That's why they're around this middle tier. BC, again, they're able to dominate some East Coast transfers, get in a couple guys, and Makai Ashton Langford out of Providence two years ago. He transfers now. A redshirt junior after missing his last year due to injury comes, and he's probably going to be the one in this lineup for Jim Christian. There's nothing really great that sticks out about BC, and they don't have too many returns. I mean, they, they've only have three really critical returns, and one of them is Winston Tabs, who comes off injuries. So... There's a lot of speculation about Boston College, and BC is one of those teams that a lot of buzz is around them. They could be solid. They could be strong. But again, there still are a lot of problems with this team, and those keys are going to be Tabs and Jay Heath. These are guys you showed promise last year as freshmen, they can strike from the perimeter. They can attack up the drive. And they're also very flashy players. And I think that's something that BC lacks at times is just flashy guards, flashy ball handlers in general. So if they're able to work together, do that, I think that their outcome could be a little bit higher than what many expect. But again, the outcomes this year could be very volatile. This also is definitely, in my opinion, a very stronger ACC than last year. We're just seeing a lot more teams develop and merge. So if BC cannot perform that high, we'll see some different teams work up. And finally, Steve Forbes led Wake Forest, Damon Deacons. The Deeks, more older team. Also racking in... Five transfers that are all incredibly productive. Isaiah Wilkins from VT. Jalen Johnson from Tennessee. Davian Williamson from Eastern Tennessee State. And then Ian DuBose with Houston Baptist. And Jonah Antonio with UNLV. I like these guys a lot. Wake Forest, they're not going to have that great of a season, I don't think. But the room for improvement they have is going to be solid because you know what? They have four seniors, but they're all on the bench. They have three sophomores and two juniors in their starting five. And Isaiah Mucius, a guy that the leading, sco leading returning scorer from last year, 
a guy that I, I think that could be good. And, and bringing in Damian Williamson with Forbes, with Steve Forbes, is going to be critical. Had a great year last year. And I think the Danny Manning era probably not as good as what's going to happen under Mike or excuse me under Steve Forbes. ETSU last year they had a 30 and 4 record. They would have made the NCAA tournament. They did win their conference because they played it up a little bit earlier. Wake Forest was outside the Kemp Pomeroy rankings in the one top 100 or 103 13 and 18 record just not what they wanted. But Steve Forbes is probably one of the main reasons as to why Wake Forest might not be as bad as people might keep them out to be, but the Deeks still have a lot to overcome. So that is our preview for the ACC. This one's going to be between a couple of different teams, and we're going to see some surprises as well. There's no doubt that Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech might be about the Polytechnic Institutes that could show up and show out in this 2020-2021 campaign. So it'll be interesting to see what teams come out of it. Some more programs I'm very high on. Chris Max Louisville Cardinals. Jim Laranega's Miami Hurricanes. Two programs I'm big on. Could have huge years. We'll see what happens in store for the ACC. Hopefully things look up a lot higher compared to last year. We will find out in a couple of weeks. I mean, we're just two weeks away. We're going to have some more previews coming up. We've got the Big 12 coming up next on the College Corner.